many of us remember back in the day when we were told to count calories? And maybe that's still a method that you use today. Well, I want to talk about how that might not be the best approach to our health and why. Today's episode will wrap up our health pillar series as we focus on the last but not least eat well pillar. As you know, within our journey to health curriculum, we center around three pillars of health, live well, move well, and eat well. Eat well is one of the most critical pillars for making real strides in your health. You've heard it said that food is medicine, and you've also heard countless stories from our guests about how food has brought them healing. It's about 90% of our health journey, and we share with you today our three best eat well tips on this episode. Join us as we dive into the eat well pillar. Let's begin. Welcome to the Journey to Health podcast, where we believe everyone deserves to feel their best and reach optimal health. Life is short and every day is a gift. So travel well on your journey to health. I'm your host, Sarah Shaw, and I'll be your guide on today's episode. Welcome to our last but not least webinar on the Eat Well Pillar. Thanks for joining us. Before we begin and dive into Eat Well, I want to remind you if you've missed out on the Live Well Pillar and those Live Well episodes, it's episode number 13. I'll encourage you to go back and check it out where we talk about how we can manage stress. We say that it's not stress that kills us, but it's definitely our reaction to it and how our greatest weapon against stress is our ability to choose one thought over the other. So we talk about our mental fitness, um, effective stress management techniques, such as breathing, and we go over three to four different breathing techniques and also into the envisioning process. So if you missed the Live Well episodes, please go back and listen to those as well. And I'll also remind you about our Move Well episode. That was number 16. And we focused a lot on mobility and maintenance and muscle mass. And we actually called it vitamin M. So we say motion is lotion and we need to work on our mobility and our full range of motion as it protects us from chronic and acute injuries. Then we, we dove into how building muscle is the best way to stay young. It's the fountain of youth by building that muscle. So don't be afraid to lift weights and build muscle mass. But for today on our eat well pillar, I want to share a few of our tips, our three eat well tips that we love to share, but also dive in a little bit into how important it is to count things. And we know in the past, we've probably been around different diets. How many of us have been on at least one diet in our lifetime? How about maybe three diets or five? And so for instance, things such as like Jenny Craig, Nutrisystem, the Atkins diet, Weight Watchers. I mean, there's so many now celery diets and a five bite diet. I've heard some crazy ones, but we've all experienced the idea of a diet. Well, that's what we don't want to encourage a specific diet to follow, except by following our three tips that we find important. But how many of us remember back in the day when we were told to count calories? And maybe that's still a method that you use today. Well, I want to talk about how that might not be the best approach to our health and why. Growing up even, and then also going into my schooling and health, we were always taught to count our calories. And all we really had to do was put a math formula in. So we had to add our gender, add your age, put in your height, your weight, your activity level, and bam, you get the perfect math formula. 
And as long as you eat your calories within that mouth formula, you should be healthy forever and you should stay within your body weight range. Well, how many of us have learned that that's not truly what's helping us stay healthy? Because while we might have calorie restriction, we may be expending more calories than we're taking in, yet we're still a sick and ill society. Or maybe I'm calorie restricting restricting, and I'm not as healthy and strong as I'd like to be, and I'm still fighting and combating some autoimmune illness or inflammation somewhere. Well, that's because we've been told for since 2005, the USDA was encouraging us to eat fewer calories. This was part of their guidelines. Eating fewer calories while increasing physical activity are the keys to controlling body weight. So we've been taught to follow the lead of the USDA, of the dietary guidelines, which were introduced to us back in 1980, was the first exposure to dietary guidelines. And about 45% of society of the Americans were at a 25 or greater BMI. So they were considered overweight at 45% back in 1980. Well, then by 1992, when we introduced the food guide pyramid, uh, and you remember what the food guide pyramid looked like with uh, six to 11 carbohydrates or grains, rice, and pasta servings a day, we jumped up to almost 70% of our society had become obese and overweight. So it isn't about our calories necessarily that we put into our body. It's about the quality of our food. And I remember growing up, I always thought, well, I'll have that donut or I'll have that cookie or I'll eat that whole pizza as long as I outrun my bad diet, as long as I go for an extra mile on the treadmill or as long as I do an extra workout on this day. Well, I was also learned from my history that you can't outrun a bad diet. Because while you may be slender and slim, because I'm exercising, my internal health was not at its best. And I learned that from my father. If you listen to the Live Well uh, episode, I share about how my dad was the fittest dad on the block. He was a 6'1", 180-guy, strong as ever, very active, always at the gym, always playing tennis, always running out with the kids, yet at the age of 42... He was struck with a heart attack and he had um, to have open heart surgery. So it showed me that while we can be active and it's important to stay fit and use that move well pillar, you can't out exercise and outrun a bad diet because somewhere along the line, it's going to catch up to you. The culprit for my father was not just a poor diet. He ate a lot of Italian type foods, the pastas. He grew up as an Italian boy. He ate a lot of pastas and breads. That was a staple in our meals until a heart attack where we completely took out any of that white stuff and the carbs and pastas, but it was also the culprit of stress. And so we talked about that in our live well episode about how to manage our stress best and how that can cause us to be ill as well. But back to our eat well pillar, how we say you can't outrun that bad diet. I like to consider looking at the idea of how food is a hormonal response. Food is not just calories. Food is not just a number because that donut is going to have a different reaction and response in your body than that piece of steak. While they might be the same calories, so let's take, for instance, seven donuts. Seven donuts in a day will equal 2,000 calories. And with my math formula that I calculate according to calorie restriction or how many calories I should consume, I should be about 2,000 calories a day. Okay, that's probably the average for most people. 
if I ate seven donuts, I would be at 2000 calories a day. So why would I not just eat seven donuts every day if I could? What we find though, is it's going to create a different response in my body. That sugar, those flowers, the color additives and preservatives within a donut is going to cause a hormonal response, meaning it's going to raise my insulin, which is the hormone that helps control our blood sugars and our glucose. So if I ate seven sticks a day, I would have a much different response within my body because of the type of food it is. Calories might be the same. Seven donuts and seven steaks will be the same amount of calories, but my body is going to respond much differently to those foods. The hormonal response that we were talking about is when we eat food, mostly a carbohydrate, our blood glucose, our glucose is going to spike up and it's going to go up to a level that also calls on insulin to respond and come in and bring it back down. So insulin is that hormone that comes in to bring glucose back down to a normal level. Once it comes down to a normal level, if I don't use all of the glucose that I consumed, those carbohydrates or whichever food it is, it's going to get stored as fat. Anything I don't use that insulin doesn't bring back down and I don't use in an exercise, it's going to be stored as fat in my body. Our body will always want to use up the tank of glucose. We have two fuels that we use within our body. We have a small tank of glucose and we have a large tank of fat. Well, the body is going to always use the glucose tank first before it goes to the fat to burn. So if we're constantly topping off our glucose tank by eating those carbohydrates, those high sugar foods, we're never going to get to the fuel of fat to burn because we're constantly dipping into that glucose tank. So think about keeping your sugars low, consuming less carbohydrates to keep your blood glucose levels at a normal range. So we don't have as much insulin coming in to help. And then also that'll keep us dipping into the fat storage, fat fuel versus just the glucose. So let's jump into our eat well tip number one. First tip is eat real food. I like to say, if it comes from a plant, eat it. If it's made in a plant, don't. So really, if it's grown in the ground and it has a mother, I would say participate in that food. But if it's made in a plant and it has many ingredients within it, typically if it has a label, it's probably made in a plant. So even better yet is find foods without a label, which those foods are all around the front of the grocery store and the edges of the grocery store. So a lot of times the produce is in the front of the store and the sides and back is dairy and meat. So the aisles are where you're going to find all the foods with labels, and that can be a little misleading. So you'll see in many of the foods within your store in those aisles, the boxed packages, packaged foods, they're going to constantly want to sell you from the front. So the front of those boxes are going to be very eye drawing, lots of colors, all natural. They're going to say all natural, whole grain, antioxidants. They're going to have these buzzwords that's going to make you want to buy that item. They'll also say fat-free, sugar-free, low-carb, or even sometimes they'll say gluten-free, no sugar added, high in fiber. Those are buzzwords that are going to cause you to want to think it's healthy. But I encourage you to flip that box over, flip that bag over, and look at the label. So we got to get good at reading labels these days because the marketing on the front of these boxes and packages is very, very misleading. There's not much regulation in how they market and sell you. In fact, they'll try to be very sly with it. So when you're reading a label, 
I want you to start to look at the amount of carbohydrates and sugars in those, those items. And I'll even encourage you to look at the label in a way where you say, if it has five or more ingredients in it, it's probably not going to serve me well, probably not going to be the best choice. And if you can't pronounce any of those ingredients on that ingredient list, that's probably a, a red flag. So we like to look at carbohydrates and sugars being less than five, proteins being more than five grams, and fats being about five grams as well. So that's a good way to look at your labels. Another thing to keep in mind is look at the servings, serving size per item, because sometimes they'll say, you know, three grams of sugar. And when you look up at the top and you see the serving size, they'll say two servings. So that's actually six grams of sugar. Another thing to look at when you're looking at a label is total carbohydrates is one number. Below it will say dietary fiber. And the next thing below it is sugars. So really keep an eye out on what the sugars are. But how you calculate carbohydrates is you'll have total carbohydrates, which will be a certain number. Let's say it's 24 grams of carbohydrates. Below it, it may say dietary fiber of three grams. I will take the fiber and subtract it from the total carbohydrates to get 21 net carbs. That's actually how many carbohydrates are in an item because you take the dietary fiber and subtract it from the total carbohydrates to get net carbohydrates. And that's really what the body is absorbing as a carbohydrate. So read those labels get really good, put on those investigation glasses. It takes a lot of investigating these days with the way that food is manufactured, the way that it is sold to us and the way that they're processing things. We have to really be keen and keep an eye open for those things that are misleading. So look for buzzwords, flip that package over, look into the label and the ingredients, but better yet, best to find foods that don't include a label. So that's our tip for tip number one, eat real food. Eat food without a label, eat those eggs, eat the produce, eat the steak, find food that was not made in a plant, but came from a plant or was grown on the earth. That's your best bet for tip number one. Our eat well tip number two is avoid added sugars. Sugars are in everything. Because if you remember back in the day when we had the food guide pyramid, we talked a lot about low fat. Low fat was the way to go. That was what we were promoted to do was eat less fat back in the 80s and 90s. Well, in order to make food taste good when you take the fat out is they had to end up putting sugar in. And so they hide these sugars in our food by stripping out the fat. So really look at avoiding any of the sugars in your foods. One easy way to avoid sugar is not consuming your sugar through drinks. So how many of us may be sitting with a sugary drink on our desk at work or driving around town, or even when we come home, that that may be sabotaging our health and wellness completely is just the drinks we participate in. So Starbucks, I'm a coffee lover. I'm one for a good cup of black coffee with a little bit of cream. But as soon as you get those frappuccinos and cappuccinos with all of the other sugars, they can have as much or more sugars in them than a can of soda. Fun experiment I did with my kids when they were younger. And of course, you know, kids will participate in that soda and they think it's delightful and their eyes get really big and probably get a little bit hyper once they have some soda is I wanted to teach them a little bit of how much sugar was in a can of Coke. So in a can of soda, there's roughly 35 to 40 grams of sugar. That's a lot of sugar. 
That's in fact, nine teaspoons of sugar. So what I did with my children was I took out a teaspoon, I took out the sugar, and I poured and scooped nine teaspoons of sugar into a bag. And they saw how much sugar was actually included in that bag. And I told them, this is what you're drinking every time you have a can of soda. Just think if you have more than one a day or even a week, how much sugar you're consuming in your body. And they were actually taken aback and flabbergasted with how much sugar came in a can of soda, which caused them to definitely drink less. So maybe do an experiment where you see how many grams of sugar are in my drinks and how many teaspoons will that be and what's coming into my body. So for instance, we think, okay, well, if I'm not going to have a can of soda. I'll have some apple juice or orange juice in the morning. It's probably one of our go-to juices. And it says, again, all natural, uh, real juice, real fruit juice is a big buzzword on there. Well, did you know that apple juice has 44 grams of sugar in their eight ounces, which is actually more than a can of soda? Or let's say, you know, I want to get my electrolytes in. I'm going to drink my Gatorade, my 16 ounces of Gatorade to put those electrolytes back in me because I just did a workout and I went for a big run. Well, the bottle of Gatorade is going to have 26 grams of sugar. So not only are you maybe getting a few electrolytes, just a few, you're actually putting in a ton of sugar, 26 grams, and also some food preservatives and additives that are not good for us either. And looking even at teas, so sometimes a, a sweet tea, we're in the South here and we know that we love our sweet tea. Well, that's going to have as much sugar as your soda as well. And be careful looking on the back of those labels because a lot of times they'll say 10 grams of sugar, but it's two servings per can or per bottle. So definitely put on your investigation glasses and dig deeper into what those labels say. But again, better yet, I encourage you to eliminate any of the juices or sodas or teas or drinks that you buy in a store and have a beautiful glass of water full to the brim with lemon or mint or cucumber or any fruit infused into it. That's a delicious way to have your fluids in you without getting the sugar. So drink your water and enjoy it with a drop of fruit in there as well. So that wraps up our second tip, which is avoid added sugars. And sugars are hiding in everything. Definitely look at all of your food labels, but even some of our fruits have a lot of sugar in them. So our higher fruits are going to be the tropical, higher sugar fruits are going to be the tropical ones, such as pineapple, mango, grapes, bananas. Those are all going to be the highest in sugar for our fruits. So maybe look at those from a different lens and not have daily or as often, but definitely don't demonize the fruit category as too much sugar because it is a whole food and real food. But having that all day, every day is still going to cause that hormonal response where we raise our glucose and then our insulin comes in to try to lower it back down. So again, all food regardless is going to have that hormonal response. And that's typically dependent on how much sugar and how many carbohydrates are in that food. Well, this leads us into our eat well tip number three, which is eat nothing white. You remember I said earlier in 1992, we were introduced to the food guide pyramid. That was a bottom pyramid. The entire bottom base of our pyramid had bread, cereal, rice, pasta group. We should have six to 11 servings a day. And then we had the fruit and vegetables above it and the meats and dairy above that. Well, we'd like to flip that food guide pyramid on its head and turn it over and say, have much less 
bread, cereal, and rice. In fact, try to avoid anything in that white category, white foods. So we're not talking about eggs and cauliflower. Those are white. Those are also whole real foods. It's the pastas and the breads and the crackers. Avoiding those as much as possible and finding foods with as much color in our diet. We want to get a lot of phytonutrients, which comes from colorful food. So the steak and the salmon and the blueberries and the broccoli. Fill your plate with color at each meal and with whole food. And if you're going to count anything, remember in the beginning, we talked about counting calories, how that was the way of the future of our health. Just count your calories and exercise, and you're going to have the perfect body weight and be as healthy as possible. Well, we found that that's not true. So if you're going to count anything, we encourage you to count carbohydrates. So there's macronutrients, which is our protein, our fat, and our carbohydrates. But carbohydrates is a really easy one to look at all foods from that lens. So if it's a little overwhelming to count all three macronutrients, protein, fat, carbohydrates, let's just focus on one. Let's focus on just carbohydrates. Because we know that when carbohydrates are consumed in our body, our glucose, our blood sugars go up immediately higher. Proteins and fats actually don't cause our blood sugars to go up much at all. So the food that's going to cause the most hormonal response within us that's going to raise our glucose is going to be a carbohydrate. So let's take, for instance, you have a bagel for breakfast. You have a sub with an Italian sub with ham and pepperoni and salami on the sub sandwich. Let's say a six inch sub. Then you come home at night and you have a great big bowl of spaghetti and meatballs. That day with a bagel, a sub, and a bowl of pasta with spaghetti and meatballs is going to be about 180 grams of carbohydrates. So that's option one. It also will have 1,500 calories. So 1,500 calories, 180 grams of carbohydrates is option one. Now let's compare that to option two. Option two, you start the morning with bacon and eggs, two eggs and some bacon real food there, mostly just protein and fat. Then at lunch, you have a delicious chicken Caesar salad. You have chicken with the lettuce, with maybe some tomatoes and Parmesan cheese on it. And then for dinner, you have grilled salmon and some asparagus. So with all three meals, you're definitely getting your proteins, your fats, and a bit of carbohydrates from the real food, those vegetables. So option two ends up being about the same number of calories. It's 1,500 calories for those three meals. But instead of 180 grams of carbohydrates, it has eight grams of carbohydrate. So option two with the eggs, the chicken salad, and the salmon and asparagus is going to be your best option because it'll be high in protein and fat and very low in carbohydrates, less than 10 in the whole day. Option one, the bagel, the sub, and the pasta is going to be almost 200 grams of carbohydrates. So while they both are parallel in their calorie consumption, they are definitely a different hormonal response within our body. So that's the thing that we want to pay attention to, is what kind of response is our body giving to the types of food we're eating? Not all food is equal. Not all calories are equal, as we've seen. So make those choices if you're going to count anything in terms of points or in terms of numbers. Let's not worry about the Weight Watchers points or let's not worry about counting our calories. Let's look at how many carbohydrates are in all of our foods. So to recap, the big rocks we want you to focus on for your health. We've gone over a lot with our health pillar series. 
we've gone over some big rocks that we think are important, which are our eat well tips. So eat well tip number one was eat real food. Number two was avoid added sugars. And number three, if you really want to hone in on your skills and get a lot of traction in your health and make progress within either weight loss or fighting off type two diabetes, or even working through a lot of inflammation, the best tip will be to avoid anything white, avoid the white foods, eat nothing white. So those are our three eat well tips. The next rock I find really important for our health is sleep. How is your sleep? If you're not getting adequate sleep, you're probably not achieving your best health. Sleep is almost as much, if not more important than food and water. If you go days without sleep, your health will suffer, but you can go days without eating and be okay. You definitely need your water, but sleep is critical for our health. The third rock I want to talk about is managing your stress. So definitely go back and listen to our live well pillar about how to manage stress better because stress can be a silent killer and it can be one that if we don't control and we don't pay attention to, it can sabotage our life and our health. The fourth rock I think is important is moving regularly. So our move well episode will teach you how to do that well and properly and safely, but it's an accelerant to our health. Moving and exercising is not going to cure a lot of our ailments. It's going to be more of an accessory and an accelerant to becoming healthier. The best thing to focus on is your food. Food is medicine and your stress, managing stress. So those are the big rocks that I like to discuss for health. That also wraps up our full health pillar series. So thank you for joining us. I hope that you are more familiar and comfortable with what our Journey to Health program highlights. We totally believe in our Live Well pillar as being the foundation of health because it points us to our vision and our why. And that's the driving force behind getting healthier. Our Move Well pillar is also, like I said, an accelerant to our health. It helps us uh, hone in on those skills to build that muscle to avoid injury and also build lifelong healthy habits. And then today, as we went over our eat well pillar, that makes up about 90% of our health journey as food can be medicine. It will heal and it can make the biggest impact on reclaiming our health in a short amount of time. So do your best with your health, follow those three health pillars, and let us know if you need any support or have any questions. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for this episode. You can follow us online at journeytohealth.com slash podcast. There you can access the show notes and learn more about our guest. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Your Journey to Health. We hope that this story inspired you to launch into or maybe even continue on your own journey to your best health. If you're looking for a health guide to support you, we have coaches who would love nothing more than to walk alongside you. Just visit our website to learn more about Journey to Health coaching program. Until next time, travel well on your journey to health.